Good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am, and just an honor to be with you, church today. Third service crew, uh, hopefully you guys are all rested up and uh, ready to go. Um, we're all, everybody else is highly caffeinated. So uh, anyway, we're in a series, and I'm going to get into that in just a second. Um, first of all, um, I was away last week, so it's good to be back. Always, always, always good to be back. My wife and I were uh, speaking in a church down in sunny Florida, suffering for Jesus. And so here we are back on this kind of uh, pre-winter day. You can feel the temperature changing, right? It's getting a little, getting a little crisp out there. Um, but while we were away, we heard nothing but good stuff about Pastor Deej. Can we give it up for Pete Deej? He did an incredible job. He's such a cool pastor. You know, he's got, the, he's got the letters, you know, for his name, DG, no vowel. I mean, that's like so cool. You know what I mean? Where do you go from that? You know, you go to like Prince just with a picture. You know what I mean? Just like a, anyway, if you guys, some of you get that, it's 80s. Uh, but uh, it's, just, uh, it's just awesome to hear good reports every single time I go away. One of the things that PDs was talking about last week as we kicked off this series, uh, Really Rich, um, was he was talking fundamentally uh, about the, the, the deceitfulness of riches, or a modern way to say that would be the, the money trap. Money's in and of itself a neutral uh, resource, but sometimes the things we put it into or the spirit that's upon it can, can cause us to, uh, to, to fall into traps or the deceitfulness of riches. And, and, and he talked about kind of, um, you know, how we can, we can be all preoccupied with the stack. Remember he pulled out the, the, uh, the, the dollar bills, stacks of $1 bills, or at least that's what you think they were. And, uh, and then he, he showed us how, I think he pulled it out of his pocket. We were watching the video uh, the other night, my wife and I in bed. And she fell asleep because it wasn't as good for her as it was for me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, he, he pulled out these tickets, you know, like that you would get at a fair. And like a xylophone, he pulled these things out. And sometimes that's what happens. We, we play this game. We get all these tickets only to earn this little thing. And that's what money's like. Sometimes money is we're, we're trying to get all this, this living for the stack only to get something that really doesn't have the reward or value that uh, we expected or in in interpreted that it would. In week one, we talked about, backing it up, we talked about the perspective on money that we need to have. And there was a term that, uh, that is out there, kind of on the airways today, uh, it's called first world problems. Anybody remember when we talked about that, first world problems? Raise your hand if you remember that. Yeah, that, that term, uh, it's kind of changed me in, in some different ways. In other words, when I realized that some of the problems that I'm facing are, in fact, first world problems, I found myself complaining less. You know, it's like it checked me. You know what I mean? And, um, and one of the places that it checked me was in a recent trip. It wasn't the one my wife and I just went on to, but I was traveling to go see uh, my daughter in Alabama to interview the new boy. <laughs> and unfortunately, I didn't get to see him on that occasion, um, because my flight got my, all messed up. I was at Logan Airport, sitting on the tarmac forever with this particular airline. It wasn't God's airline, JetBlue. And while I was out there, just waiting and waiting and waiting, finally we take off. We get to Washington, and I miss my connection. And I only have about a 48-hour window to go see her, see him, get back for a bunch of stuff that was going on. So um, I, I try to get on a new flight. There's no flights going out that night. There's no flights going out the next day. I am just not a happy camper. I'm not prone to complain 
or whatever, but I just I stayed cool. Every, there was this huge line. Everybody got redirected, and, and the only choice I had was to get back on a plane and go back to Boston, so I came back. I've since interviewed him on the phone, and we'll see how it goes, um, in case you guys wanted the end of the story. Um, but no, he was so glad I, I didn't show up. No, I'm just kidding. He sends me love letters now and, you know, things like that, text messages, uh, praying for you, so sad you couldn't be here. Um, stuff like that. Hashtag, really. Um, so while I, was, uh, while I was coming back from Washington, I'm on Wi-Fi on a plane, right? And I get an email from the airline that I'm flying on wanting me to do a survey to describe my experience. <laughs> Everybody try it with me? So I'm thinking, I'm going to be honest. You know what I mean? I'll tell you about that. So as I'm replying, kind of humorously replying, um, Wi-Fi goes down. All right, I'm, and I'm just so mad. Now I finally had it. I've, I've had been late. I've been rerouted. I haven't seen my daughter. I don't know if I'm going to be reimbursed for this ticket. And the Wi-Fi's going down. And now I'm starting to bubble over. And the guy next to me is kind of noticing and hearing my, you know, monosyllabic terms that guys make when they're mad. And so that's all going on. And all of a sudden I get this check, you know, like from the Holy Spirit, like first world problems. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in a chair in the air at 30,000 feet going 600 miles an hour using Wi-Fi. Turn to your neighbor and say, that is a first world problem, okay? You guys, you guys tracking with what I'm saying? Now, I don't know if you're realizing this, but less than one half of 1% will ever experience such a problem as that. And this is kind of the world that we live in today as Christ followers and as people. And here's the thing. It's okay for us to be rich. God's not, God doesn't want us to feel guilty about the blessings that we have. He just wants us to be grateful. He wants us to be grateful. He wants us not just to feel, feel guilty, but actually to be responsible with what he's given us. We need to realize that we've been blessed. If you are living in America, you are blessed. If you make more than $32,500 a year in household income, you are in the top 1% of the world of income earners. If you have a car, you're in the top 4%. I mean, I could just go on and on and on about how blessed we are. But sometimes those riches don't mean we're good at being rich. And so God wanted to give you something. He wanted to bless you to be a blessing. And so our theme text from 1 Timothy chapter 6, we've been pulling different truths. PD did it last week. I did it the first week. We're going to look at another concept from 1 Timothy 6 that Paul kind of, you know, hints at in the beginning and then unpacks at the end. And I believe the concept we're going to talk about today is the cause for some of the most radical um, generosity, the, the most radical giving and generosity this world has ever seen since Jesus gave his life on the cross. Okay? There have been things that have been done uh, in the name of Jesus um, that have been so, by Christians, uh, hospitals built, orphanages, orphanages built, uh, modern day what we call them dream centers, uh, churches built, all these different mission houses built, all in the name of Jesus. Radical generosity motivated that, and I believe it comes from some of the things we're going to talk about today. And in 1 Timothy 6, the Apostle Paul writes Timothy, who's a pastor to a church. So in essence, Basically, the scripture is for pastors, 1 Timothy 6, to tell their people. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you what, what Paul would want me to tell you, okay? And it says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, it says, and he kind of tips his hand right out of the gate. 
He says, command those who are rich. By the way, say, I'm rich. rich. All right, if you're in America, you just are. Command those who are rich in this present world. Did you catch that? Present world? What is he talking about, present world? What's that all about? It was a foreign concept to the church, to the people at this particular time to, to even hear that kind of language. And I submit to you that it's a foreign concept in our world today, and it might be um, understood in the church today, but not necessarily embraced in the church today. In other words, there's another world beyond this present world. You, see, you know, there's, there's something beyond what we're doing and living for right now, living for what I call the scratch. Many people don't realize this, this kind of present world mentality is what is stifling and stopping and hindering some of the greatest things that could possibly happen on this earth that affect the life after. The single idea of realizing there's another world becomes a motivation for life, or I should say life beyond this life, if everybody's tracking with me. So he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Again, we talked about that already. Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. This, putting your hope in earthly wealth is uncertain. You can't take it with you. We have a phrase, you can't take it with you, but you could do something to send it on ahead. You could do that, okay? But, but, he says, so don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But, whenever you see a but, there's a point of contrast. It's like you could say, instead, rethink, relocate your thinking. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So this, this, there's, a, there's a theological thing, I may talk about this next week, called asceticism, where people are just believing you, Christians can't have anything, they just have to suffer for Jesus. You know, but that's not true. God has provided things for our enjoyment. But he just doesn't want those things that were enjoyment to control us, to take us over, to steal our heart. The, the love of it is what causes evil, and the preoccupation of it is what can take us over. Is everybody tracking with me? So God's provided those things for our enjoyment. Then he says, to counter that, command them, Pastor D, the church you're talking to, to do. Everybody say to do. And to be. Say to be. To do good works, to be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. Then he says this. Watch this transition, transition statement. He says, in this way. Everybody say that. In this way. In what way? He's saying, in, in, in a way where you take, what you, you take what's going on in the now and you set it up for the then. You take what's going on in the immediate and you set it up for the long term. You take all this stuff that's going on in your life and you leverage it for the future by being good, by doing by the, the to-dos and the to-bees that are happening in this life. And in effect, uh, you'll, you're, you're living for something that's not just happening right here. You're living for something that's happened after here. What will happen is this. Uh, the more you do that, you'll lay up a treasure for yourself. It says they'll lay up treasures for themselves. Now, this might seem confusing on a basic math level. In other words, I give. How do I get more by giving? When I give, don't I have less at the end of it? And Paul's saying, no. When you give in this way, you're not getting less. You're relocating what you have, not to just a safe but a safe place that is eternal. If you, re- if you give in this life, it's really not safe. If you give in this life to something that affects the next, it's in a safer place than anything. Does that make sense to anybody out there? All right. And so he goes on to say, they'll lay up a treasure for themselves. They don't have less. They just relocate it. They put it in a safe place as a firm foundation for the coming age. That word coming age, what is that all about? It's basically saying that there's another day coming, people. 
And my job as a pastor is to prepare you for the next step in your life, from this life to the next. That's what's a lot of what this is all about, celebrating what God has done, what he's going to do, but also preparing us for what is to come. There's a coming age where we'll all stand before God one day. You say, I don't believe that. It doesn't change it. It's still going to happen. That's okay. You don't believe it. It's really not okay for you, but it, it's, it's imperative that you understand that we're going to stand before God one day. And we're gonna, we need to see this life as a preparation for the next. This is a temporary assignment with all the temporal things that are going on. We'll face God, so we need to live this life in such a way as to give and serve and act and leverage everything that we have. Because the vast majority of your life is not this scratch we call life. This life, the Bible refers to it as a mist, just a mist, here today, gone tomorrow. But the next life, it goes on and on and on. But what we do here influences, affects that. We'll all stand before God, two different positions we'll have to, positions that we'll have to face. One, what's your position on Jesus? What's, what's your deal with him and my, my, with my son? What's that? What's going on with that in that relationship? Did you accept what he did for you? The next thing we're going to have to face is what did you do with what I gave you? There's going to be a rewards ceremony when you get to heaven. And I want to set you up for future riches to the best of my ability so that these people may take hold of life that is truly life. When you're living for future riches, you're truly experiencing life. When you're living for the now, people that live for the now, they don't experience true life the way God intended for them to experience it. See, Jesus didn't squabble and fight or get baited into what is happening here. When he was here. Oh, you know, you know, he's, he's stop worrying about this and that. Don't you know that the, the flowers, they, they bloom every day? Don't you know the birds, I feed them and take care of them? Stop worrying about your bodies. Why are you so preoccupied with the way it looks and going to the doctors and living forever and all that kind of stuff? You need to be more concerned about what can destroy the soul, Jesus would say. And when you focus on, and so he'd always put a better place. He'd always put, an, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14. He was talking about heaven. And at the end of those discussions, when we focused on those things, he'd say, great is your reward. Great is your reward. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Is everybody up for the snack? Turn your neighbor, high five, fist bump, do something, okay? Say, this is good preaching. See, see, my, my grandparents or that generation before me, I don't know if it, it probably, I just feel like this is, this is my experience, that our generation is more now focused, more immediate focused than ever. The previous generation was always thinking about heaven. When I went to church as a young boy, my, parents, my grandparents went to a Baptist church, and they'd always sing hymns. Uh, when you pull out the hymnal, turn to page 569, we're going to be singing from the first and the fourth verse. First, second, and fourth verse. Never read the third verse. Third verse was of the devil as far as I was concerned. I don't know because we never sang it. I'd like to do a message on the third verse. You know, it must be of the devil. I don't know. But we'd sing those, and I'd read the hymns to stay awake in church. You know what I mean? Just read God's play. Help me keep me away. You know, but while we're singing these songs, they were always, it seemed like one and two were about heaven. They were just always thinking, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Anybody know the song? When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I used to love that stuff. It's in my blood, but they had it at another level of understanding. Jesus would say, don't worry about all that stuff. Great is your reward in heaven. So the best things we can do is realize we've been made rich to be rich towards God. We've been rich to be, make a difference, to be a blessing, to set 
ourselves up for future rewards. And most of us, if we've been in church, any experience or exposure at all, we've heard some of this kind of stuff before. Most of us. Some of us have responded to those kind of things. All right? Some, 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 some. Usually when in this environment, when they've responded, it's always been out of need or knee-jerk reaction. In other words, it's rarely proactive response. It's almost always reactive response. So what I want to do is I want to help you make planned, predetermined uh, decisions regarding this life and setting up for the next. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to tell you and show you some of the things that we as a church are doing that you can determine, decide, pray about whether you want to be a part of that. And here's what I know before I get into that. I believe everybody wants to make good investments with what they have. I don't know. Anybody doesn't want to make a good investment. Nobody likes bad investments. You know what I mean? Now, I like, hear me all the way through in this. I like math, okay? Simple math. I don't, when you started introducing letters to math, that's not math. Algebra? I was like, uh, what? 3x equals 6. No, it doesn't. 3x is the shirt size that my buddy's wearing at the buffet. That is not math. Then some of you are going, no, x equals 2. Okay, you're the nerd, and that's why you have no friends in high school. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. So we all like good investments, right? So if I said to you, give me $5, and next Sunday I'm going to give you $10, how many say that's a good investment? It's a good investment. It's decent, right? You're like, I could get more return on that. Shut up. Just listen. All right. If I said I'm going to give you $5, next year come back on the same service, I'm going to give you $100, how many of that's a pretty good investment? Okay? Now if I said, give me $5, at the end of the service, I'm going to take $50, it's not a good investment. We don't like we don't like to lose. We like to make good investments. Now, I want to give you what I hope you believe, not just what I believe, is the best investment that you can make. Write this down. The big idea, the local church is the greatest investment, listen, on earth, on earth, on earth. You're like, okay, hold up. Of course you say that. You're the pastor. I want to tell you something. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I can't say certain things. I'm saying this because I'm a Christ follower. And let me tell you something. Jesus said something that should influence you, and it did influence me. If Jesus said something to you, should it influence you, yes or no? Okay, so Jesus said this in Mark 6, 8, 16, 18. He said, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I, Jesus said this, I will build my what? church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I don't believe it's a great investment because I'm a pastor. I believe it's because Jesus said he would build it. Jesus is building it. If, if you knew somebody had a, they were involved in something that you respected, that you followed, that their words had weight in your life, it probably would influence whether you would invest that. But what if it was the son of God? I think that should influence you. So write this thing down. It's in your notes. Anything Jesus is involved in, we should want in on as well. We should want in on it because Jesus is in on it, okay? Another thing, if you're taking notes, uh, and, and if you are, I love you. That's great. I think you should take notes. It's good for you. This is another thing you can write down. It's not in there. But the best way to get close to the heart of Jesus is to get close to what's on his heart. What's on his heart? The church. His heart beats for the church. 
The Bible says in all kinds of places, but in Ephesians 3.10, it says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. In other words, you know, we're like his vehicle. We're the ones that are going to get the good news out. We're the ones that are going to help show people the purpose and plan of God for their life. We're the one that's going to point them to a better place ultimately one day. How's that going to happen? Through the church. Through what means? Whatever means necessary. Our energy, our time, our talent, our treasure, our resources. And what happens is when people like me in my profession start talking about this, I feel from some, not so much in here, a pushback to that. You know why I feel a pushback? It's because people have been burned uh, because of the abuses of, of churches and church leadership, the misappropriation of funds, misconduct, uh, the diff- malfeasance financially, all these different things that have happened, I recognize them to the best of my ability. And I would just say to you, um, first of all, if you could for a second, imagine me having to talk about these things, realizing those things have happened, and how hard it is to try to overcome the mistakes of other people and still be responsible to what God says. That's tough. But I also want to say for you, if you've been hurt or burned, I'm, I wish I could do a whole message on it to say how sorry I am that that's happened. But what can happen is that burn or that hurt or that, that, that slap in the face when you put your trust, maybe not in God, but in what, you, maybe, but maybe got burned by people, that keeps you from future blessing and opportunity, and I would say future riches as well, an opportunity in the next life, not just this present world. And so I'm sorry that has happened, but here's a point I also want to make, and I have to make it kind of strong and quick, is why is it that we always point out the one church's mistakes and we overlook the thousands of churches that have operated with integrity and ethics and morality and the using of funds and resources with people? Let's not make excuses because of one over what some have done. Don't throw away the main thing because of what, because one thing somebody did to mess it up. Let me try to, let's put a little levity or humor to it just to kind of lighten the load a little bit so you don't think I'm angry. I'm not angry. I'm just trying to make a point of conviction. My family would vouch for me in this respect. And my my wife is here to attest to this. She won't like some of this illustration. But whenever we go out to eat, which is a lot, all right, because rich people problems, right? We go out to eat. I like to eat out. Whenever I go out to eat, I don't know what it is, but I have this uncanny knack for finding a hair in my food. I know this is gross. Just hang on. Just hang on. What makes it worse is what I do, as my wife would say if she had the microphone. I pull it out and show it. Look what I found. You know what I mean? Look at this anaconda in my salad. You know? (laughs) And, And it's disgusting, and I'm exploitive, and I just make a big deal out of it. It's absolutely disgusting. But as gross as it is, and as awful as it would be to experience something like that, which probably it's on all your salads, I just noticed it. But anyway, that's just a sidebar. I still continue to go out to eat. I have never stopped. And I've had some wonderful meals. I just simply avoid the places where there was a hair in my salad. Why is it that we don't do the same thing in the economy of God? I'm telling you something that can help you, not because I want something from you, but I want something for you. It's, it, when you find a good church, it's not a place you give to, it's a place you give through. Right. Oh, you need to catch what I just said. Woo, that was good. Okay? 
Some of you need to get that. So, so sometimes we allow the mistakes of a few to overcome and overshadow the positives that can happen through the many. In just a minute, I'm going to show you all the wonderful places that Connect, Connect Community Church has partnered and invested to take the resources. So you think, my little bit, what could it do? When it joins with other people, it does a lot. And so we take the resources you give. We join them together. We, we create strategic partnerships with certain people where they have the highest integrity and stewardship, the highest impact for the kingdom of God. And honestly, strong relationships with people. All these people I'm going to present to you through video and testimony, we have personal relationship with. And this is something that you've done, and we've simply brokered those resources to get the possible, the highest possible return in the kingdom for you. So when you stand before God one day, he's going to give you rewards because of what you did here today in the previous days. And I'm going to show you what we did last year. As, as a church, we live on a budget. I, I think it's important for you to know that. A lot of people, most people, 90% of the population doesn't live on a budget. But as a church, we live on a budget. We fiercely protect and steward the resources that you give to this church. We have a long 30-plus year history, audited every year. Every nickel, every dime is audited and accounted for. We've been doing that for years. I don't say that with pride. I just say it as a fact, just as a fact. And one of the things that we do is we take a portion of that money that, we, that, you, that you give and we give it back. In other words, we tell individuals, I practice this as a person, to tithe. But we tithe as a church. Not only that, we give above and beyond that. So we're, we're, we're going to give at least 12% of our total revenues this year. And we've been doing that every year since I've been the pastor. Okay, so, so that should make you like smile, want to do a cartwheel in the aisle. I don't know what it is. Something like that should go on with you when you hear something like that. So each year we've been doing that. And then we take those resources and we leverage those for the, pos the highest possible return. If you want to know where the money's going, you want to see it in a written report, go down to Guest Central today. We have a contributions report for our missions giving down there for you. And you can see what we do with it. We take a scripture from Acts 1.8. It gets like three lanes where you can, uh, you can ascribe or you can pour, apportion certain resources. It basically says to be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's kind of our local area. Judea and Samaria, that's kind of our national domestic area. And then the uttermost parts of the earth, okay? That's kind of our international efforts. So we take portions of the tithe of our church and give it to and through those three lanes. And we have partners in each one of those lanes. I'm going to show you some of those partners right now. Uh, our local giving is what I want to show you right now. We do, we do many more things than what I'm telling you. In other words, we have benevolence a benevolence allocation within our church that takes care of needs in the body. The Bible says to do good, especially to the family of believers, so we want to make sure we take care of our own. And then we, if we have more, we do more outside. We do things through the Ashland Emergency Fund, which I'll reference in a second, and we do things through what's called uh, Shadows and Meadows. It's a women's shelter. I want to show you a testimony from some of the local things that you are doing within the community. Check this out. I have been part of Ladies of the Mission for over 10 years, and uh, one of the things that we do is we go to a local women's shelter here in Ashland. Uh, then we have a guest speaker who comes in and tells their story about um, what their life was before, how they came to Christ, and then how their life was changed because of him. Even though you can stray from God, they open themselves up with open arms to us at any time and I am just so indebted to to the women here at this church for what they've done for me as a person and for what they do to the girls in the house I came in broken from prison but I went into this house and uh, 
never been in a shelter before. The next day, she brought me also with this stuff. She gave me a bag. It was a Christmas bag. I didn't know at the time who it came from, but it had all kinds of things, scarves and brand new pajamas and a bathrobe and hat and gloves, nice things. And um, I found out a year later that it came from Connect Church. You know, um, they do so much. It's not about the giving. It's about when I was down and out mm -hmm. and I had absolutely nothing and my own family didn't want me. People that don't know me. Mm -hmm. I don't think they realize, I don't know if you realize what it means to us. Now I see, because I'm in Sandy's place, I see how much you guys do. I didn't realize it. Connect Church has done so much for me. Before you, please don't applause. No, just hold to the end. I know sometimes you're going to get moved and you want to get stirred to do something, but for the sake of time, if you would uh, indulge me. The, uh, the, the shelter that we, we've been going to, by the way, we've been doing that for well over a decade. There are women that go in and out of that shelter, people getting saved every single week. Many, many times there are women from that shelter that are in church on a weekly basis that are here. It's a powerful, powerful thing. The Ashland Emergency Fund is one of our other partners. Um, this is an organization that discreetly and uh, quietly uh, supports people through hardships and difficulties, providing financial resources for things uh, like uh, temporary housing and shelter and food and utilities and medical supplies. This organization, since its founding, has given over a million dollars to Ashland citizens, and we've been one of their number one contributors. I think we are their number one contributor as an organization, so we're very proud to be a part and connect with them in that, in that, in that way. We've been doing things, even just recently, you might, you know, you see different things that will come up from time to time. Some of them are kind of stealth, and we don't know how to necessarily publicize all of them, but, you know, we just, we just did something for the homeless in Framingham where we're just giving jackets and, and gloves and, and, and hats and boots and things like that to make sure people are not going to freeze uh, through the winter. So many things like that. Uh, that's local. Domestic, I just want to get to that quickly. This is kind of our national giving. About 25% of our, our um, uh, resources goes to this. Our partners include Barnabas, uh, which is an organization that supports and shores up pastors. It used to be just in the New England, actually just in the state, then New England, and now it's beyond that. Uh, the Ark, the Association of Related Churches. Uh, this is, uh, we are a member church of the Ark. We consider ourselves an Ark church. If you cut us, we bleed Ark. Um, they are a church planning organization and been very successful, the most successful church planning organization, I believe, in the world. And then also Relate, which is a coaching network for pastors. The Bible says if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. In other words, if you can pick off a leader, what's the best way to do the most damage in a church? Why don't you attack the pastor? Churches divide, split, and fall apart. So we have strategically partnered ourselves with a coaching network because we believe if you shore up the shepherd, the sheep will gather. And you're going to hear a couple testimonies about that in just a second. So I want you to hear from them directly, and you can hear what you did. The first thing I want to do is to thank you, the congregation of Connect Community Church and Pastor Derek and Stacy, for the support you have been to me and to this ministry from the day we began. We have had an exciting year in 2015. We now have at least 62 pastor support groups in nine states, which we have grouped into seven regions. Our goal in working with pastors is not just that they be in these groups, but that they come together as a result of that and reach out into their communities with their churches to bless communities with the love of God in Jesus Christ. We saw the greatest demonstration of this to date 
this summer in New England's second largest city, Worcester, where one of our pastors got together with the other groups that we have, rallied them to reach out to the community to show the love of Jesus Christ in an all-day demonstration. They involved altogether 35 pastors and their churches with over 800 volunteers. During that day, in a park on the south side of the city, they fed over 2,000 people. They gave out over 4,000 bags of groceries. They had a personnel manned prayer tent, which ministered to over 1,000 people in prayer. They saw 30 people make recommitments to Christ. They saw 24 people reconnect with the church and 46 people made first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal of this ministry and you've been a part of it. Thank you. Connect Community Church, this is Chris Hodges. As a member of the lead team of ARC, I just wanted to say a great big thank you. Your generous giving through your local church to ARC has enabled us to plant 534 churches all across the United States and 74 brand new churches just this year. That's a new church every five days with over 900 people making decisions for Christ on the launch days alone. Together this year, you've helped us train hundreds of church planters and invest over $4 million in their launch days. And of the churches that we have planted together, the combined missions giving of those churches is over $11 million just this year alone. That means your faithful giving at your church is not only planting churches, you're giving to a church that is nearly quadrupling your investment to help people all around the world. I also wanna say a personal word of thanks to Pastor Derek and Stacy. They are some of my dearest friends in ministry and you are blessed to have them leading your church. God is using you in a very unique way. So on behalf of every single person whose life has been changed, thank you for doing your part to make it all possible. God bless you. Well, hello, Connect Community Church. My name is Randy, I pastor Bayside Community Church, and I help lead and oversee Relate Coaching. I just wanted to take a moment and say how much I love your pastors, Derek and Stacy Fry. Man, every time we get together, we love hanging out and doing life together. And we also like making a difference in other churches. And you're involved in that and you're a part of that because you invest in Relate Coaching. And Relate Coaching simply does this. We help pastors discover and develop their dreams and their potential so they can impact their community. And this year alone, in 2015, we had over 785 people attend one of our events this year. And that, that means that's 175 churches that you were able to impact through those people at those events. And check this out. Here's the cool thing about it. Those churches, there's nearly 200,000 people that are attending those churches. So your partnership with Relate Coaching is making a difference in impacting hundreds of thousands of people all around the country. And I love that your pastors, Derek and Stacey, they don't just throw their missions dollars around, but they look for strategic partners that'll make a huge investment. And the ROI on that is big. And you truly are doing that. The churches we're coaching, they're growing, they're realizing their potential, and they're impacting their community. And that's because of you. And it's not happening only in New England, although some great things are happening there in New England, but you're impacting churches and people all across the country. And I just wanted to take a moment and on behalf of those 174 churches that you impacted this year, I wanted to say thank you.
Thank you for your investment. Thank you for being part of what God is doing. And Derek and Stacy, I love you. Love you too. Hello, Connect Church. My name is Mark McLeod, pastor of Church on the Move in Woodbridge, Virginia, right outside our nation's capital. Pastor Derek asked if I would take a moment and share with you what Relate Coaching has meant to Church on the Move and how it has helped us since coming on board at the beginning of 2015. First of all, I just want to say thank you for allowing your pastor to invest some of his time each month to help other churches and pastors grow. I met Pastor Derek last year at a Relate One regional event in the D.C. area. Earlier in the year, we had signed up with Relate, but as of yet had not been assigned a coach. After meeting your pastor and hearing his story, I immediately felt a connection, and I asked Relate if he could be assigned to our church. Pastor Derek began to pour himself into me on a monthly basis and share with me what God has done and is doing through Connect. I have thoroughly enjoyed developing our friendship and watching what God has done in the life of Church on the Move since he began coaching us. Since partnering with Relate, God has done some amazing things in the life of our church. Back in March of this year, we made the decision to launch a second service. Amazingly, God has blessed that decision. We have practically doubled our weekend attendance since March of this year. Both of our services are now running at near full capacity, and we are in talks about needing to start a third service before Easter. We are so excited about what God is doing in the lives of people at Church on the Move. 2015 has been a record year for people committing their lives to Christ and being baptized. We are so thankful for the decision we made to partner with Relate we owe a lot to Pastor Derek for the time that he has given us this past year. Connect, thank you for sharing your pastor and your leaders with us. We will forever be grateful for the impact you have made in the life of Church on the Move. God bless you. Hello, Connect Community Church. This is Sam Hooker. And on behalf of my family and our church family here in Victoria, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your giving to Relate Coaching. Because of your giving, not only financially, but resources like Pastor Derek, his staff, their time, attention, and prayers, it has made an incredible difference in our church. Before Relate Coaching, we were averaging about 70 to 75 in our weekend service. Now we're averaging 140, 144 every Sunday. This past Sunday, we're at 170, and it's all because of giving like what you do. It's been an incredible journey. We've seen over 14 baptisms this year. We've seen 104 people attend our growth track, 68 graduate. We've seen 75 new members. Our victory groups, which is like your connect groups, went from two or three to 14. Our weekly giving has had a 14% increase. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, so, and here's the most incredible part, our salvations. Our salvations, we had 60 commitments to the Lord this past year. And just to give you a little perspective, that's more this past year than we've had the previous seven years combined. And that's all because of churches just like you that are willing to give of their time, talent, and resources and help uh, other churches like me grow. We just say thank you so much, Connect Community. God bless you. 
The next category is from our international partners, and again, these are these three lanes that we have contributed to as a church and partnered with as a church. Uh, one, of our, one of our partners is our, is our very own Caribbean mission. So when I say that, I mean it was founded and started by my father, who is the founder and start uh, the kickstart of this whole ministry. Uh, Metro's Caribbean mission is in the Dominican Republic. It's a little over 20 years old, where we clothe, feed, and educate children uh, from all over the area. And so I want you to hear from them. In addition, we have a partner in Haiti, just over the border, one of the largest mission organizations in all of Haiti, New Missions, the Detellis family have been launched standing friends of our family for over 30 years. The founder and my father were very close friends before he went on to be with the Lord. And then lastly, One Hope, uh, which was um, a partnership that we established about six or seven years ago. Uh, Pastor and President Rob Hoskins, who actually will be with tonight, uh, where we'll be vision casting for the new year, is just an incredible organization that is actually affecting millions and millions of children with the Word of God. I want you to hear from them directly. I think you'll like the first one because it's one that's very dear to us and from our own ministry. Hi, this is Pastor Ernie. This has been another wonderful year for Metro West Caribbean Mission. Dad, and I are excited to give you some of the highlights. But first, we want to say a very big thank you to you, our Connect family, for your faithful giving. Your partnership changes lives and kids come to know the Lord on That's a personal level. And in turn, they tell their families the good news. Men and women with whom the mission has contact are being touched by you through your prayers and contributions. I think that's Thank you from the bottom Just of kidding. our hearts. This past year in the school, the children's bathrooms were renovated to make them twice as large as they once were in order to accommodate the increase in student numbers. Now the rooms are bright, cherry, and kid-friendly. Additionally, we have continued to build on the school property, both a two-bay carport to protect the vehicles that belong to the mission, as well as started two more classrooms, which will hold our computer room and library in the near future. The trips are always full of incredible stories of how God is moving both in the people of the Dominican and the lives of those who go to the trip. Again, Rand and I thank you, our supporters. We know the people of the Dominican Republic the thank you as well. Mission. We love Connect and of course we love our pastor. We close speaking abundant blessings over each of your lives in this most joyful season of the year. Dios la bendiga. Greetings from New Missions, I'm Tim Dutellis, and I'm actually here in our warehouse facility where shoeboxes are stacked up, ready for shipment to Haiti. And I wanna take a moment and thank you, Connect Community Church, and thank you, Pastor Derek Fry, for your continued generosity and commitment to serving the children and families of New Missions in Haiti. I have to tell you this year, because of you, it's been possible for us to reach children under five with critical medical care, food, and education. Right now at New Missions in Haiti, we have 28 preschool programs where we're educating these children under five. And I'm thrilled and honored to report to you and your church that because of your giving this year, 677 children celebrated their fifth birthday. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to say that because that is a threshold of survival in the country of Haiti for these young kids and toddlers to grow up healthy and strong because of your giving, to receive food at school, to receive medical care and education, but most importantly, 
to know the love of Jesus. Because together, we're changing lives because each child matters to God. Thank you so much for your faithful prayers and support. We love Connect, we love Pastor Derek and your family, and I rejoice with you in all that God is doing through your church. God bless you. Hi Connect Church and Pastor Derek, this is Rob Hoskins, president of One Hope. Our shared mission, God's word, every child, could not happen without you. You have responded to God's call to proclaim Christ throughout the world and deliver a message of hope to every corner of the world. Because of your partnership, One Hope will reach 100 million children and youth in 109 countries this year with a relevant gospel message. We've seen incredible worldwide growth of digital scripture engagement through the Bible app for kids. With nearly 9 million downloads to date and the addition of nine language translations, we are witnessing God's Word reach digital natives in their own language all across the world. And while big numbers are exciting, it's hearing about a child's life being forever changed that's even more thrilling. Take, for example, the story of a little girl named Rumi, who's from a Muslim family in a very sensitive part of the world. She heard about the Bible app for kids from another child at her school. Rumi began using the app during breaks in the school day and in turn encountered the hope of the gospel, Jesus. As a result of engaging in God's word through the Bible app for kids, Rumi's curiosity to know more has led her into a mentoring relationship with a Christian religious teacher in her school. She told us that while she still follows customs and participates in prayer five times a day, her prayer time is different than before. Now she prays to Jesus, her Lord and Savior. Pastor Derek and Connect Church, we are so thankful for your prayers and your ongoing generosity. This year, you are presenting the gospel to 27,000 children and young people. Thank you for your commitment to ensure that children like Rumi all over the world are given a chance to experience the life-transforming power found in God's Word. Now you can give the Lord a big hand clap. Isn't that great? Come on, let's give him a big shout. Now just, just bear with me a couple of minutes. This, this, this next couple of minutes is tough because I, I don't know how to do this well. But I, first of all, I, just, I can't help. I know everybody hasn't participated. So please understand that. I just, I just want to thank the people who have. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or condemned or anything like that. But on behalf of myself and, and my wife and our, and our team uh, that, that work so hard to, to find the best places to invest uh, your mission's dollars, I just want to say thank you. It's such a blessing to be partnered with these people. I'll be with Rob, like I said, the next couple of days and to be able to sit with him and, and hear him tell me stories and, and shed tears on a regular basis. They're the most amazing family and they're on the front lines. And, and it's because of your faithful tithes and offerings to this church that make it possible for that kind of a relationship and that kind of impact. And so I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're not a, you know, a regular contributor to the vision of Connect, again, um, Consider becoming a kingdom investor. We believe we're investing in the kingdom, that this is good soil. And we work really hard to fiercely protect and steward the resources that you give us. And we've been doing that for over 35 years with integrity. And I would just say, I'm not asking you to do something, but I am asking you to talk to God about becoming a kingdom investor. It's going to bless you. 
one day, listen to me. I'm saying this with total confidence. One day, you'll stand before God and you're going to thank me for telling you what I'm telling you right now because you'll have rewards in the kingdom for this. There's nothing more difficult than missing a reward ceremony that you could have been a part of. And I want you to be a part of that with all of my heart. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. I don't think Jesus is saying that, investing, that, that, that natural investments are bad investments. I think he's saying subordinate those earthly investments to kingdom investments. Because the Bible says those things moth and rust corrupt and decay, but, but, and thieves come in and can steal. In other words, all those things will fade. They'll burn. You can't take them with you. But when you do things that, that, that establish future riches by what you do in this life, great is your reward. Great is your reward. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, and I conclude with this particular story, a parable told by Jesus. It says, there was the ground of a certain rich man. Everybody say rich man. In other words, this guy was in the top, he was, he was like an American, he was in the top 1%. And it said he, he yielded an abundant harvest. In other words, he had extra, and then he had extra, extra. All right? And because his investors, investments worked well for him. And he thought to himself, and this is what people with a lot of money do, they think to themselves instead of talking to God. He thought to himself, what shall I do with my extra, extra? I have no place to store my crops our hearts are breaking for this guy, right? He's so rich. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, my small ones, and I'll build bigger ones. I'm going to move my money from a, a small bank to a bigger bank. I'm going to move my money from a small silo to a bigger silo where I can store even more of my surplus in my grain. And I'll also say to myself, as he's talking to himself about his money again and not to God, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Hey, self, look at all that you got. You know what? Why don't you take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry? This man with extra, extra money erroneously thought he had extra, extra time. Sometimes in our riches, the riches distort us into thinking because we have a lot of riches that we have a lot of time. That's not true. This life, just like that, you have just this much time to make a major difference in the kingdom of God by what you do now. And so the Bible says, God speaking to him, not me, you fool. He didn't say you were a fool for being rich. He said you were being a fool for, for not being good at being rich with what you've been given. He says, you're, this very night, your life could be demanded from you. Then who will, this is a question we all have to ask ourselves, you know, if we, if, for those of us who have extra, extra, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus makes a concluding statement that we need to embrace. If, if that's what we do, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves. We think we have extra, extra time because we have, we have, we have, we're rich. But it is not, but this person is not rich towards God. This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. The only way to avoid this trap is to be rich towards God, to, to consider making good investments. And I believe the best investment is in the local church. And so what I'm, what I'm telling you is that when you tithe to this church, which I believe is your first level of giving, you can be sure that we'll take care of that, we'll steward that, and we'll handle that wisely. When, when you see through this lens of future riches, then you will value, this is something you might want to write down, stewardship over ownership. You realize that the greatest thing for you to do is you're a manager. 
it's all his. It's all his. The other thing that you'll value is you'll value people over possessions. One of the things that I love about these stories and these testimonies is, and what I can see from Scripture is that people matter to God. Can I have an amen? And we have to sometimes take care of others, not just ourselves. We've been blessed to be a blessing to other people. And so all these, all these people have a story. And so we don't pass a plate or a bucket, but if there was, when a bucket goes by you or when you pass a box, that's not a box or a, box or a bucket. That's a person. That's a person. When you give, that dollar represents a soul. And just as a value, we don't emphasize social justice where we just meet a need and give them a slice of bread. We value eternal justice where we deal with the soul issues because that's what Jesus did. He was less preoccupied with this life, and he was more preoccupied about later. And so we do, we establish partnerships where we make sure, yes, we're meeting needs, but we want to make sure that as we're meeting those needs, we're connecting them, to, connecting them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the only person that can change their life from the inside out, not from the outside in. Can I have an amen? And we so we value eternal over temporal. I heard this quote, and I'll close with this quote, quote. But the greatest deterrent to radical generosity is the illusion that earth is our home. See, we're not living like, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. We're not living, you know, for the, the by and by. We're not living as if this, we're living, holding on so tightly to the scratch that we call life. And the Bible says in Philippians that our citizenship is not here, but it's in heaven in Philippians chapter 3. So we have to live like that now because it affects what happens then. Can I have an amen? amen. I want to pray for you. You guys stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. I've been reading a lot about the end times lately, and I'm sure I'm going to do a series on it in the new year. But I, I believe he's coming back, guys. And when he comes back, there's no more time to make an investment. So it's like thinking that because we have extra and we all do whether you believe it or not you do that we have extra time is not the case now is the time to invest what you have been given serve with all your heart serve your socks off give your time your energy pour yourself into kingdom values be be a giver with the resources the financial resources and if you don't think this is a good place for it and you can find better places to do things with the research go there please and but give there Make an investment. Make an investment now. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? And, and, and while you're closing your eyes, I want you to not look around because I want you to look at your own heart. Don't look around. Look at your own heart. As the prayer team comes to the front, uh, this is what I want you to do while you're looking at your own heart. Some of you, even listening online, when we talk about eternity, you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. Frankly, it might even freak you out a little bit. Like, what if he is coming back? Is that true? If that's true, I'm not sure. I am ready to meet God. I'm not sure if he asked me the question, you know, what's your position on my son Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? I'm not sure. I can confidently say yes to that. I've been in church maybe a lot. I, I, can, I, I know certain prayers. I might even know certain stories from the Bible. That's okay, but you know what? Going to church is not going to secure that. Going to Connect's not going to secure that. Your works, the Bible says, aren't going to secure that. It's for by grace you've been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, or we brag about it, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So what do we do? We have to come to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to change me from the inside out. I want to be in relationship with you. And the Bible says it's a gift. I, I want to give it to you. The only thing you got to do is receive it. It's a worthless gift until you open it. And so if you're here today and you want to receive the gift of relationship with Jesus Christ because of what he did for you, 
then I want you to boldly raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I don't want to leave today without knowing that and being secure in that. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, at the back. Yes, ma'am, over there. That's awesome. Good night, so I don't miss anybody. I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Church, pray this prayer with me. And those of you who raise your hand, pray this prayer. Mean it from your heart. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. It's not, it's not something you can earn. It's, this starts with a decision, then you become a disciple. So say this with me. Say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are my Savior and my Lord. I believe you died for my sins and that because of what you did, everything's been done for me. And I can be in relationship with you. I receive. I pray that you make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that I can be in relationship with you now and forever. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those that said that. And I pray that their names, as the Bible says, are written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe in permanent ink. It's done. It's settled. The angels rejoice in heaven because another sinner, a person, made a decision of their own free will and volition to come to Christ. And because of that, there's just this, it's like a party in heaven, and we celebrate with them in Jesus' name. And for every person that's here today that's kind of that's just not seen through eternal perspective with regards to their riches, I pray that you give them the courage to change them from the inside out. This isn't something that they were taught. It's something that was caught. Something happened in that service today when I went there. I saw things differently, and I believe that it's wise to make an investment in the kingdom now because of what can happen then, and I pray you bless them for it, that you change them for it, and that they be reminded of the days that are ahead, that there's a day approaching where we'll stand before God, and we can do it with full confidence and full assurance in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, let's give the Lord the biggest hand clap rejoicing in what he did. Yeah, good job, Connect. 